one of my favorite stories is the story about the mom who was making breakfast for her young sons one morning. She was uh, making them pancakes, and uh, as she was making pancakes for Kevin, who was five years old, and Ryan, who was three years old, uh, she noticed that her boys were fighting. They were arguing with one another about who was going to get the first pancake. And so the mom saw a prime opportunity to teach a biblical truth. And so she told her boys, she said, boys, if Jesus were here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. And so Kevin turned to his younger brother and said, okay, Ryan, you be Jesus. <laughs> it is our joy to be Jesus to those God places around us. It's our privilege to be Jesus to those God places around us. It's our challenge to be Jesus to those God places around us. We know that John told us we claim to live in him and must walk as Jesus walked. Paul told us we're to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Peter told us to set apart Christ Jesus as Lord in our lives. It's clear in Scripture, as followers of Jesus, we are witnesses for Jesus. We are to let the light of Christ in us shine through us so those God places around us can see Jesus in us and be drawn to Jesus through us. The truth is, we may be the only Jesus people see on a daily basis. Therefore, our words and actions make a huge difference in the lives of those that God places around us. Thankfully, as followers of Jesus, we are empowered by God's Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about more and more this morning. We're continuing in our sermon series. We started last Sunday. What did Jesus say? In this series, we are studying some of the teachings of Jesus found in the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The good news is we can know what Jesus said by looking into God's word. When we know what Jesus said, we can know what Jesus would do because Jesus' words matched his walk. When we know what Jesus said, we can know what we should do because we are disciples of Jesus. When we know what Jesus said, we can do what Jesus would do because the Holy Spirit of God empowers us to live how Jesus lived and to love how Jesus loved. You see, it's the Holy Spirit who helps us and strengthens us and empowers us to be Jesus to those that God places around us. So open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4. We are continuing this series. Last Sunday, we spent time studying the first truth Jesus preached as he started his earthly ministry in the area of Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee. We see this recorded in Matthew 4, 17. Matthew wrote, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. In this teaching, in this passage, there's a command and a reason for the command. As we shared last Sunday, the command is repent. Repent means to turn around, to change one's mind. Repent means to turn from our sin and turn to our Savior Jesus. Stop living our way and start living God's way. Repent signals a complete and total change on the inside of us, which is seen on the outside of us. The reason for the command is simple. Jesus has come near. We know the kingdom of heaven has come near to us in Jesus. God sent Jesus, his son, our savior, to earth to rescue us from our sins. 
The truth that we all face is simply this. We must repent of our sins, but we can't repent on our own. We need help. And so God shined the light of his truth into our lives in Christ Jesus. God opened our hearts and minds to allow us to understand we are sinners separated from God because of our sin against God, and there is no help or hope for us to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. God opened our hearts and minds to understand Jesus is our Savior who lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary in our place, paying our price for sin. He shed his blood for us so that we might be able to receive forgiveness of sins. He was buried. He rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you and me. God opened our hearts and minds to believe faith in Jesus is the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and to enter into a relationship with God. You see, it's no coincidence and it's no surprise that Jesus started his earthly ministry teaching on the doctrine of repentance. As Paul told us, we know that godly sorrow over our sins produces repentance in us, which leads us to salvation. So God saves us by his grace as we repent of our sins, confess them to God, and receive God's gracious gift of salvation, love, and life by placing our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. This was the first truth that Jesus preached as he launched his earthly ministry. It's the focus point from last Sunday. We're going to continue now studying another truth from Jesus here in this same passage. We're going to continue reading in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, as he, that's Jesus, was walking along the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. So here we see Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which any of us could do should we make a trip over to the Holy Land, the Sea of Galilee, right where it was when Jesus walked the earth. We can walk along the shores of the Sea of Galilee just as Jesus was doing on this particular day. He was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Peter and Andrew fishing. Why were they fishing? Because they were fishermen. And as we know, that's what fishermen do. They were fishing. And so scholars point out to us, notice, scholars point out that they were casting their net into the Sea of Galilee. Matthew made it clear. He said they were casting their net into the Sea of Galilee. What does that mean? It means this. These brothers were either standing along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is very easy to do, or they had waded into the Sea of Galilee a few feet, like fishermen know to do, and they were teaming. It took two on this particular net as they were casting. Now, in a boat, the nets were different, and they would take four to cast those nets, but in this situation, it took two, and they were casting their net into the Sea of Galilee. The purpose of net casting was to catch as many fish as possible. If they wanted to catch one fish, or if they were just focused on catching one fish at a time, they would use a stick and a line, much like our rod and reels today. But no, they were net casting. What was the point Jesus was making here? Even in this scenario, he was going to use their fishing as a metaphor for them. He was sharing with them, you guys are going to catch many people for me by the power that I give to you at work through you. He was saying, you guys are going to catch many people for me because of my power 
It's going to be working in and through you as you are my witnesses. Amazing imagery and truth here in this passage. Let's continue. Verse 19. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately. When? Immediately. Say that with me. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets after, and he called them, which was co- common. They had to mend their nets. Uh, when they catch large amounts of fish, it would break the nets. So they were mending their nets so that they could fish again. And he called them immediately. When did they leave? They left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus said, follow me. And these guys immediately followed Jesus. Peter, Andrew, James, and John followed Jesus because of their faith in Jesus. We follow Jesus today because of our faith in Jesus. The command, follow me, implies turn from your sin and turn to the Savior, Jesus. So we know when we repent of our sins, when we confess them to God, when we receive God's gift of salvation by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, it is at that moment that we begin following Jesus by faith. Salvation leads to sanctification, the work that God continues in our lives from the point of our salvation, growing us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, which will continue until glorification when we see him face to face and spend eternity with him. And so we understand we are Christ followers. That means we follow Christ, which is exactly what Peter, Andrew, James, and John we're doing here in this passage. They believed in Jesus and they demonstrated their belief by their obedience to Jesus. They followed Jesus by faith. We believe in Jesus. We have received his gracious gift of salvation by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. And we demonstrate that. We show that by our obedience to Jesus to follow him by faith. I want to look at five points real quick right here that we see in this passage about this teaching from Jesus. Five points. Number one, follow me is a command. Follow me is an imperative. That means it's a command, not a suggestion. Follow me in the Greek. Get your pens ready. Write this down. This is important. Follow me in the Greek means follow me. It means come. It means come here now. Jesus commanded these guys to follow him because Jesus knew following him was best for them. Jesus commands us to follow him because Jesus knows following him is best for us. Follow me is a call to discipleship. We follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we listen to Jesus. We learn from Jesus so that we can become more like Jesus. Jesus. Secondly, follow me is clear. Peter and Andrew had no doubts about what they were supposed to do when Jesus spoke to them. They did not need to ask for clarification, nor did Andrew, uh, nor did James. These guys did not have to ask for clarification. Peter, Andrew, James, and John knew exactly what they were supposed to do. When God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit in us, he is clear with us. When God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit in us, he is very clear with us. God's conviction, for example, is clear when we sin against him. 
God's instruction is clear for us to follow him. God's direction is clear for us as we follow him. Follow me is a command. Follow me is clear. Follow me, third point, is continual. Jesus wanted these guys, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, to follow him day after day after day after day. Follow me was a command to come after him, to follow after him for life. And these guys, as we know through the testimony of Scripture, these guys did just that. They followed Jesus, certainly with missteps and mistakes along the way. They followed Jesus to their death because of their faith in Jesus. And so follow me is a command for us today as well because Jesus wants us to follow him every day, all day for our lives. From the point of salvation where we receive his gift of salvation by placing our faith and trust in Christ Jesus, we enter into God's family. God places his Holy Spirit within us. It is from that point forward that Jesus is saying, now I want you to keep following me. You believed and received me, now follow me. And just continue following me. Day after day after day after day. That beautiful relationship we have with the Father God through, son, through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The fourth point we see is follow me is costly. It's costly. These guys left their families to follow Jesus. These guys left their jobs to follow Jesus. These guys left the convenient to follow Jesus. These guys left the familiar to follow Jesus. They followed Jesus because Jesus was the priority of their lives. There was nothing greater in their lives than their desire to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is costly for you and me today. Following Jesus should be the priority of our lives. Following Jesus for us today will at times cost us the convenient. It will at times cost us the familiar. It will at times cost us our families, friends, jobs, popularity, promotions. Listen, following Jesus is costly for us today. Following Jesus is best, amen? Following Jesus is best, but it's not easy. It's not easy. But listen, following Jesus is best because Jesus is best, amen? Jesus is best. Say that with me. Jesus is best. And so we know and understand the cost that Jesus paid for us, which we could not pay on the cross of Calvary, surpasses any cost that he's going to ask us to pay in following him. You see, Jesus never asks us to do anything that he has not already done for us. So his cost is supreme. Our cost, in comparison to his cost, is minimal. Yet even with that being the truth, we know today so we continue to be molded and shaped into the image of Christ Jesus, following Jesus is costly. It's going to cost these students as they follow Jesus. It's going to cost these students popularity. Because clearly the popular thing to do in the world today is to do what the world does. It's to go where the world goes. It's to say what the world says. That's what's popular. But you see, Christ Jesus says we need to focus in and following him. What he says and what he wants to do is opposite of what the world says that's best to do. And so for these students, and we know this as parents, 
We know this as encouragers. These students following Jesus is going to be costly to them. And the enemy is going to do whatever he can to keep them from paying that cost. He's going to try to keep them to mold in and just be like the world. Just go along and get along with the world around them. Well, that's not the call of Jesus. That's not what follow me means. Hey, listen, follow me is going to cost us in our workplaces. You know this. You're going to be asked to do things that aren't ethical. You're going to ask to be looked, to look past things that you know you shouldn't look past. You're going to be in places and situations and conversations which are not pleasing and honoring to God. And the question is going to be, following Jesus is going to come at a cost. It's going to come with a cost to step away from that conversation. It's going to come with a cost to say, no, I'm not going to go do that. I'm not going to join in with the world. I'm not going to go do that. I'm not going to act like that. I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to laugh at those things. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. It's costly. It's costly. But what a joy and privilege it is for us to pay the price to follow Jesus today. We're going to have a Unique opportunity this morning, uh, and I want to ask Jake and Ginger and Timber Goss, if you guys go on to go ahead and make your way up here. Jake and Ginger and Timber, members of our church family, you know these guys, you love this family, uh, and today is our Send Sunday, and uh, we are sending this family uh, on mission to the nations to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jake and Ginger and Timber are going through the International Mission Board, and uh, they are leaving today as their last Sunday with us. And uh, they are leaving, and they are going on mission to take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the country of Lesotho. Lesotho is a country within the country of South Africa, on the continent of Africa. We've got a couple of maps here. Hopefully, you can see this. You can see right down the green, in the green, right at the bottom, uh, is Lesotho. Uh, it doesn't look like the way it's pronounced. Trust me, I've asked them, and I am pronouncing it correctly. Okay. It is Lesotho, not Lesotho. It's Lesotho. Now, this is the country of Lesotho. Jake, real quick, where are you going to be stationed? We're going to be in Maseru, which is in the northwest corner up there. You can see it is the capital of Lesotho. If y'all see Maseru, raise your hand. You see Maseru? See it right up there, the red? Make sure we want to get you as good a picture as possible to know where they are going uh, to the city of Maseru. All right. I think we got one other picture. I want to show a little bit of the land. Uh, a little bit of uh, the geography, um, and Jake and Ginger may include some of that. That's just an idea. We'll keep these pictures going. I just got a couple of questions for you uh, as a church family. Number one, if you will share with us, your church family, how did God reveal his will to you? How did God make his will clear to you to follow him as missionaries to the nation of Lesotho? Essentially, it came about eight years ago. Timber was about to be born. My job was in jeopardy. The, the company wasn't doing very well. And so um, I was concerned about not having an emergency fund. And I don't know how many of you are finance people, but that's having six months of income saved up. And so if you lose your job, you're able to, to survive on, on, that, on that income. Well, ironically, God makes things clear. I heard a sermon comparing the nations and their plight to an emergency fund. And the question that the, the pastor asked was, are you telling me, are you telling me 
that what the nations are going through, that what the people are going through is not an emergency. And it shouldn't. And I didn't know really what to do. Fortunately, Crossridge had uh, trips to the nations. And so I decided the next year, I said no that year. There's a lot of no's in our story. I said uh, the next year, I said, I said yes, I'll go to Guatemala. And so I went to Guatemala with the team. And uh, Mark was there. It changed me forever. I saw poverty that I had never seen before. Um, and I think more than that, and, and you may be able to testify too, but I saw people there who had no one to tell them the gospel, who desperately wanted to hear the gospel. And that was so refreshing to me. Um, the, when the plane left, I, I didn't want to go. I cried most of the way home. I'm obviously struggling with it now. Um, I got home. I couldn't talk to Ginger at all for about three months. I couldn't really talk about it um, and still had trouble doing that. Um, but so that was the call. I, I clearly knew at that point that missions, overseas missions, was, was probably going to be in our future. But God had to refine us, and we had a lot of things in our lives that um, God needed to make right with him because I wasn't willing to go anywhere at that point. And so I'll let Ginger talk. Yeah, he came home.
So share, I know there were many steps. How did God make that connection to Lesotho? Well, I said I didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I know in the, in the process, when God says, it's calling you overseas missions, I know in that process, especially as you work through uh, the IMB, there's amazing amounts of prayer that, that you go through in steps and we've gone through in support of you, and they kind of really pray and God just makes it clear. And so that's, through that process, he obviously highlighted through many steps this decision to go to Lesotho. <laughs> All right, so we saw a little bit of the picture. R- real quick, tell us, you will be living in the city of Maseru, right up there. Uh, so you'll get there, learn the language, uh, which will be a process. And then ultimately, you will also be doing ministry in the mountains. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, um, and I don't know if you guys have the pictures of the mountains, but if you want to put those back up there. We're going to be doing, they said, about 50% of our ministry in the city, which is almost completely unreached. The mountains will be about 50% of our ministry as well. Poverty is a big deal in Lesotho. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. And a lot of the villages in those mountains, there's tons of villages on the mountains and in the valleys. And most of them, or a lot of them, have not heard the true gospel. And so they want us to to go outside of Maseru and drive and camp out there and do ministry uh, in those villages. And they're telling us that in the villages, they're really receptive to the gospel. And um, what they, a lot like I experienced in Guatemala, uh, whereas Panama, there's a lot, whereas uh, Maseri, there's a lot more spiritual warfare. Okay, so you would say in God's sovereign plan, his purposes for you are coming full circle as in Panama and in Guatemala, he's now, the ministry that we've done there and continue to do there is going to be similar to this. Yeah, and that was, we couldn't believe it when they came back with Lesotho and we were looking at the mountains and everything. We're like, that, that looks an awful lot like Panama. Yeah. And 
So, yeah, absolutely. Man, that is fantastic. Okay, so if you would share with us as, as a church, our church, we are their sending church. And you'll hear more about that here uh, in a little bit. I'll let Chad share a little bit more about that. We are their sending church. And so as you are sending church, and that doesn't mean we just hug them and cry and say goodbye today and that's it. Uh, sending church means we are connected to them from this point forward. Uh, and so if you could tell us as a church family, how can we most effectively pray for you as you prepare to follow him to the nation of Lesotho? So I'd say, first of all, we're going to have prayer cards in the back, and you're just going to hold that up um, at the communication desk there. Um, and it's got specific prayer requests on the back, so you'll have several there. And then there's a sign-up sheet here um, that will be in the back also that will keep you guys updated through a newsletter and things like that. So you'll know specific prayer requests as we go along. Right now, I would say one of the main ones is um, transition. We're, we're, our, all of our stuff is in a garage, in, or sorry, in a barn in Oklahoma. And so we're living in a little tiny house. And so it's just the transition and us being able to have intimate time with God, being able to. He's already providing ministry opportunities. I wish I could go through those. But um, he's providing so many opportunities. And so we need to be focused on God's word and his will. And so that would be the main one right now. And then once we get in country, learning the language would be a good thing. I would say just pray for the three of us. Um, it sounds crazy, but we are together 24 <laughs> Yes, you can. Just, just to echo that, everything that happened and all of our growth has been through Crossroads, and that's been really neat to see. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been a blessing to us. We love you. At church family, let's give him a hand. Amen. Yes, yes. You may be seated. One of the neat things about where they're going is in full-time missionary work, uh, and we're all missionaries, by the way. We know this. We talk about this often. We're all missionaries uh, to the nation around us, and we're called to go to the nations far from us. In this particular situation, it's an open country right now, so we can communicate with them. And so the, the prayer uh, list, make sure you put your name on there if that will allow you to get emails and updates so you can continue to pray specifically for them and allow you to stay connected. One of the challenges that uh, they will face is when they get in country, uh, just continuing to have that support and that encouragement and staying connected. And that's what we're going to come in and you'll hear more about that obviously in the days and weeks to come but we do have some families who we've sent out and they've been in closed countries so we can't really put 
information, and we got to be real careful what we say and what we don't say. Uh, in this situation, at this point in time, praise God, it's an open country, so we can communicate, show, talk, and uh, pray very, very specifically uh, for them. So it's an exciting opportunity for us uh, as they're sending church. So follow me, as we've shared, uh, is a command. It is clear. It is continual. It's costly. But we also know follow me is comforting. It's comforting. So let me just share. I know there's some points there on your outline. I'm just going to hit them real quick. Don't have time to go through them. I trust that you'll understand and, and the Spirit of God will minister to you what these points truly mean. Just know when we follow Jesus, it's comforting. There's great comfort for us in following Jesus. And we know these three points bring us comfort as we follow Jesus. As we respond to the command of Jesus to follow him, we know these three things are always at work in our lives. These three things, these three points of comfort were were at work in Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and the other men who he claimed to be disciples, and the others, the ladies and the men who followed Jesus. These three points of comfort are clearly at work in our lives as we follow Jesus today. And when Jesus said, follow me, there's three things he wants. Number one, Jesus wants fellowship with us. Jesus, when he said, follow me, he said, follow me because he wanted these men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, to fellowship with him. And he wants us to fellowship with him as well. He wants to spend time with us, to disciple us and encourage us and convict us and teach us and prepare us because Almighty God is trusting us with his gospel to take to the nations. Jesus wants fellowship with us. And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but it's true. Secondly, Jesus wants faithfulness from us. When Jesus said, follow me, he wanted those guys to follow him by faith. When Jesus says, follow me to you and me, he wants us to follow him by faith. And literally, there's no reason for us not to follow Jesus by faith. Jesus knows us best, loves us most. He's with us. He's watching over us. He's working in and through and around us according to his good purpose for us. He promises he'll never leave us, fail us, forsake us, or forget us. And so we know that Jesus calls us to follow him. Now, I love what we see here in this passage passage. Jesus did not tell the guys where they were going. Jesus did not tell the guys who they were going to see. Jesus did not tell the guys how long they'd be gone. He just simply said, follow me. And it's easy for us to think at times, well, that's great for them because they had Jesus. They could walk and talk and grab onto Jesus to know right where to go. But what about us? We don't have him physically present. No, we don't have him physically present with us, but we do have helps. We have the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us to help us follow Jesus. We have the complete word of God before us to help us follow Jesus. We have the people of God around us to help us follow Jesus. We have the power and privilege of prayer to help us follow Jesus. We have the testimony and evidence of God's work in our our lives in the past, which motivates us to trust and follow him in the present. And so we know and understand when Jesus says, follow me, he wants fellowship with us. He wants faithfulness from us and he wants fruitfulness through us. Jesus commanded these men to follow him because he wanted them to be fruitful in ministry. That's why he said, follow me and I will make you fish for people. When Jesus commands us to follow him, he wants fruitfulness through us. That fruitfulness happens through us as we follow him. Because as we follow Jesus, we are fruitful for Jesus because of his work in us and through us. He is the one who makes us fishers of men, women, boys, and girls. He is the one who makes us effective missionaries for him. And so we know he is at work in and through us as we follow Jesus, as we walk by faith in Jesus, as we fellowship with Jesus, we are able to be fruitful for Jesus. And we see there's great comfort 
in this word found in following Jesus. I want to give you one passage real quick. In John chapter 10, John shared a story about Jesus. And I want to walk through this real, real quick. It won't take long. Chapter 10, verse 22. Then John wrote these words. The festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was winter. So it was cold. Jesus was walking in the temple complex in Solomon's colonnade. Then the Jews surrounded Jesus and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. This feast of dedication uh, was uh, celebrating the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem, which had been desecrated by the Seleucid ruler Antiochus Epiphanes. He desecrated the temple in Jerusalem in 167 BC. This celebration, according to scholars, happened in 164 BC. And so it was in this celebration where the Jews had come to Jerusalem that they surround Jesus and they said, Tell us plainly. If you were the Messiah, what they were wanting was support. They were wanting more reasons to justify their hatred of Jesus and their desire to kill Jesus. Jesus said this, I did tell you and you don't believe. Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. Jesus said, listen, I did tell you and my works showed you. I have told you and I have showed you that I am the Messiah. You know this, Jesus said, and you don't believe in me. And listen to what Jesus said in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Jesus answered their question. He said, the Father and I are one. In essence, I am God in the flesh. Yes, I am the Messiah, the one you're asking about. And Jesus said this. Look at this now. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That's us by faith in Jesus. Jesus said, my sheep follow me. Listen now, that's us by faith in Jesus. You follow me? But even more importantly, Jesus said, I know my sheep. That's the comforting truth for you and me. It's comforting to know Jesus knows us. It's comforting to know Jesus loves us. It's comforting to know Jesus is with us. It's comforting to know Jesus wants fellowship with us. It's comforting to know Jesus wants faithfulness through us. It's comforting to know Jesus wants fruitfulness through us. It's comforting to know that we will never, ever perish. It's comforting to know that no one can snatch us out of the Father God's hands. It's comforting for us to know that nothing or no one will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. It's comforting for us to know that therefore there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. It's comforting for us to know there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. It's comforting for us to know that our Savior Jesus has gone back to heaven. He's preparing a place for us. And it's comforting for us to know that Jesus is coming back for us one day. And where he is, he is taking us so we can spend eternity with him. It's comforting for us to know that Jesus knows knows us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Yes. 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 There's nothing
nothing wrong with standing in the presence of our Father, giving Him praise and honor and glory. Listen, understand, follow me is comforting. It's the best decision we can make every single day. It's the best decision we can make. Hey, the retirement plan is unlike any. (laughs) Eternity and glory sounds good to me. Praise God the Savior sacrificed his life so that I could receive my life and spend my life with him forever and you as well. New life, abundant life, eternal life is ours by faith in Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. So let's follow Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. We're going to worship the Lord through our time.